Hello and welcome to Chairside Live. I'm your host, Megan Strong. Thank you for stopping by for today's show, because we're talking about restoring PFMs with Bruxer Anterior. Bruxer Anterior is a highly aesthetic restorative material that's designed specifically to satisfy the aesthetic and functional requirements of the anterior region of the mouth. In this particular case, Dr. Chi is replacing ill-fitting and unesthetic PFMs on number four and number nine. He's crowning number eight and throwing some veneers on number 23 and number 24 because of some wear from the old PFM on number nine. And if that's not enough, he's also working his magic by recontouring the incisal edges of number seven and number 10 to make the whole smile come together. But that's enough talking, let's jump into this exciting case. Dr. Chi, it's all yours. For today's case, we have a patient with a chief complaint of a somewhat unesthetic crown on tooth number nine. As you can see, it is a bit high value and monochromatic, but considering when this was made, it was actually probably the most aesthetic option at the time. He told us that 46 years ago, he suffered a trauma to his maxillary left central, which was restored with this PFM. When we discuss bilayered restorations, we often see failures with the weaker veneered feldspathic porcelain, but without the compressive and shearing forces experienced in the posterior region, this PFM stood the test of time of nearly half a century, which is really amazing. While the restoration lasted quite some time, upon further inspection you can see one of the unfavorable characteristics of feldspathic porcelain in how it abraded the labial and incisal surfaces of the opposing central and lateral, and this is due to the inherent surface roughness on the porcelain. Our plan for the patient is to restore these teeth with the very strong and also aesthetic Bruxer anterior material, and on number eight, since there's some discoloration, attrition, and erosion, uh, we will also place a Bruxer anterior crown to match that of number nine. Before any operative procedures begin, we elect to whiten the patient's teeth in hopes of achieving a shade A2 so we can match the new restorations to the rest of the natural dentition. We use the Boost in-office whitening kit by Ultradent where it is a 40% concentration of hydrogen peroxide gel that is applied to the teeth for 20-minute intervals. For our patient, we went through three cycles for a total application time of an hour. Because the teeth may continue whitening for 12 to 24 hours after the bleaching treatment is completed, uh, we wait a couple of days before the prep appointment. We begin our procedure with the removal of the existing PFMs. Here I'm using a razor carbide burr to cut through the crown on the buckle, lingual, and occlusal on number four and this just allows us to section it off. Once the depth cuts are made through the crown, I'll use a Christensen removal tool to remove the sections off. And here the distal side was a little bit more stubborn. I had to add another groove along the occlusal to section that a couple more times. Next comes the removal of the 46-year-old PFM on number nine following a similar removal procedure with the razor carbide, easily cutting through both the porcelain and metal substructure. The original preparation was actually done really well, 
and it follows many of the modern-day guidelines for all ceramic preparations for reduction, taper, and internal roundness. I'm using a coarse round-ended tapered diamond to make some minor refinements and remove the remaining cement. For number 8, I aim to prepare it similarly to number 9. I used the same round-ended tapered diamond for all of the initial axial reduction. I like to prep the more difficult interproximal areas first and then blend into the facial and lingual surfaces. Since the tooth has a slight lingual inclination, I'm primarily reducing more along the cervical third on the facial to provide the recommended one millimeter reduction along these aspects. Now I'm using a football diamond to reduce the middle and incisal thirds of the lingual side and also to round over any sharp internal angles. For the gingival retraction, we are going to use a dual core technique. I first start with a smaller size triple zero and place that down into the, into the sulcus and that will help displace the tissues more apically and also it helps some with moisture control as well. So I go ahead and place the triple zero around number eight, number nine, all of the preparations uh, just so that I can also see more of the preparations as well. And since it's moving the tissues more apically, I can position the margins, especially on 8 and 9, the facial margins, a little bit subgingivally. So that way, once the tissue rebounds, it can cover those margins up. On number 4, I will refine the preparation a little bit from the original prep, uh, reducing the occlusal, a little bit more to about one and a half millimeters of reduction and also rounding those internal angles also using a football diamond. Once the gross reduction on the preps are completed with a coarse diamond I use a similarly shaped round ended tapered diamond burr and a fine variety so that way I can go back and smooth off the preparations as much as possible. Once the preparations are completed, we will place the larger second cord for the dual cord technique, which helps displace the soft tissues away from the margins of the teeth. The goal is to have a nice moat around the tooth for our impression material to flow into. Once the cord has been placed into the sulcus, we then place anatomic copper caps on each of the preps to apply some additional pressure to the retraction cords for about five minutes. I do wet the retraction caps a little bit to prevent any copper cap fuzz from sticking to the teeth when we remove them. Once the five minutes have elapsed, I'll remove the top cord and the top cord only and verify that the smaller triple zero cord stays in place. Sometimes the smaller cord can get dislodged slightly and move next to the margins. So if that happens, it's sometimes necessary to repack that first cord back into the sulcus. Once the physical separation of the gingival tissues from the margins are verified, we then flow our light body capture impression material into the sulcus around each prep and then allow it to cover the entire preparations. Once the preps are covered, we will seat our custom tray that's been loaded with capture heavy body PVS material. Once everything is set up, we evaluate the set impression and we hope to see material actually go beyond the margins of our prep. 
You can see there's a slight bubble on the mesiolingual aspect of number nine, but fortunately that was down in the sulcus and not on the actual margins of the tooth. Now onto the lower arch where we complete the veneer preparations on number 23 and 24 that the old PFM on number nine actually initiated over the past several years. Still with a round-ended tapered diamond, I reduce along the cervical third of the facial and along the interproximal areas. To avoid removing too much tooth structure, I use a long, narrow diamond to define the finish line interproximally and also run an interproximal finishing strip to create some slight separation between the teeth. It just makes the fabrication process much easier on the technicians while also ensuring we get an optimal fitting restoration. I'll complete the preparations by smoothing out any rough areas with a fine diamond burr on a slower setting, and since I'm using an electric handpiece, I can set it to about two to 5,000 RPMs, and that just helps refine any rough areas on the preps. It's important also to ensure the line angles are rounded as well. Because the sulcus on these lower anteriors are quite shallow, I'm only able to place a size two cord, but that is all we really need as it pushes the gingiva away from the margins on the facial surface. After about five minutes, I remove the cord and ensure that we can clearly see the gingival margins of the prep. Once the moisture is controlled, I'll then apply the light body capture material along the margins first, and then the rest of the preparations. Next, we'll seat the impression tray. Once the impressions are completed, uh, we'll then apply some bite registration material over the preps, now that way it helps ensure the lab can accurately mount these models to establish the proper occlusion for these restorations. Based off of our digital wax up for these teeth during the planning process, we were able to have some Biotemp CAD shells fabricated to serve as our provisionals. Our assistant Will Schmidt is now relining the Biotemps with a bisacryl temp material that will both chemically and mechanically adapt to the internal surfaces of the Biotemp restorations. Once it's set, the excess flash is carefully removed with an acrylic burr down to the margins to ensure that we have a nice seal. The same relining procedure is done on the splinted Biotemp veneers for 23 and 24, and also the same on number 4. As you can see for these aesthetic cases, Biotemps is certainly a great option as it gives you a really nice surface smoothness and luster, and all you really need to do is to custom fit it by relining it onto your preparations. Now a few days later, for the delivery of our restorations, Will goes ahead and removes the provisionals, and we ensure the preparation surfaces are nice and clean using both a Cavitron and Profi cut with pumice to ensure that all of the temporary cement and possible contaminants are removed. I try an eight and nine to confirm the midline position initially just to get an overall look. And then I'll try them in individually just to ensure that the margins are nice and closed and sealed and flush to the preparations. With these monolithic restorations, the margins really adapt extremely well to the preparations. To blend in better with our new restorations on 8 and 9, I do some incisal recontouring on the laterals with softflex discs for a more youthful appearance. When number 8 is in position, there's a little bit of a space between 7 and 8 due to the rotation of number 7. 
To minimize this space, I decide to place a thin layer of composite on the mesial lingual area with Camouflage Universal A3. So following a standard bonding protocol with phosphoric acid etched at 37% to condition the enamel surface, apply the bonding agent and then light cure that bonding agent and carefully apply a very thin layer of the A3 Camouflage Universal Composite just to adapt that to the tooth surface on number 7. Once it's cured, I'll smooth and polish the surface with the soft flex discs. And now with number 8 back into position, we were able to successfully close the diastema that was present. When trying in 8 and 9, I continue making some minor adjustments along the laterals with the different soft flex discs until they flow well with the new crowns. We are now verifying the fit of the Bruxer anterior veneers on number 23 and 24, and we check the interproximal contacts with some floss to ensure that they are fully seated, and these actually did not need any interproximal adjustments. After trying in all of the restorations and confirming their fit, we will prep the internal surfaces of the zirconia restorations for bonding. First, we clean the intaglio surfaces with Ivoclean for 20 seconds. Zirconia has a very high affinity for phosphates, so Ivoclean has a special formulation that helps remove any salivary phosphates that likely hitched a ride onto the restorations during the try-in. When using Ivoclean, it will just ensure that we have a clean bonding surface. Once the restorations are cleaned out, we will then apply Monobon Plus, which acts as our zirconia primer coupling agent, which allows the resin cement to adhere to the zirconia surface. For the Bruxer anterior veneers, we want to establish the highest bond possible, so I use a total etch technique on the preparations where we condition the preps with phosphoric acid and then a very light application of G5 desensitizer and we scrub that slightly into the dentin and we follow that with our bonding agent. In this case, we are using Avaclar's Adhese Universal, which has a unique pen dispenser that helps minimize waste. Using the brush tip applicator, ensure that the bonding agent is applied to the enamel surfaces and then is scrubbed really well into the dentin to ensure that the resin monomers can penetrate into the collagen matrix. And this ensures that we have a good hybrid layer formation. Gently air dry the bonding agent to thin it out and we want to also ensure that any solvents that remain have evaporated. For the cement, we use Verilink Aesthetic Resin in a neutral opacity. Once they're placed, we remove some of the excess with a microbrush and then tack cure along the restorations to aid in the removal of the gelled resin cement. Serrated interproximal finishing strips can also be helpful if some stubborn cement remains. Now we move on to the maxillary crowns and we are gonna bond these in as well. So we follow a similar sequence. Here I'm not going to total etch. We are gonna use a self-adhesive resin cement, but I will apply a light layer of the G5 desensitizing agent and also a bonding agent and ensure that it's scrubbed really well into the dentin and all over the entire preparations. And of course, ensure that we air dry, thin it out, air dry, and that will ensure that the 
solvents within the bonding agent have been evaporated. The Bruxer anterior material at 650 megapascals of flexural strength is certainly strong enough to allow for conventional cementation with a resin-modified glass ionomer, but I don't want the white and high-value color of the RMGI to show through our now more translucent crowns. So I do opt to bond these in as well. So once they're placed, we go through a similar cleaning sequence. Um, we will tack cure along the margins and remove any of the gelled cement that remains. We also bond in number four, following a similar sequence, place the cement, and we remove some excess with a micro brush, tack cure, and then ensure that all of the interproximal cement has been removed as well. Once all of the cement has been cleaned out and the restorations are fully cured, we will check and verify the occlusion. And we do make some slight adjustments to the lingual surfaces of eight and nine. The more translucent nature of the monolithic Bruxer anterior restorations allowed us to greatly enhance our patient's aesthetics without compromising in strength. At 650 megapascals of flexural strength, Bruxer anterior is extremely versatile in its use for both posterior and anterior applications. Thank you all so much for watching this case of the week, and we hope to see you back again for the next one. Back to you, Megan. Thank you for that, Dr. Chi. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of Chairside Live. On behalf of everyone here at Glywell Laboratories, thank you for watching, and I'll meet you right back here next time.